This is the Ed Marlin Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm Ed Milet, and this gentleman to my left, I read his book, and immediately after reading, I'm like, I have to get this man on my show. Little did I know as I was chasing you to be on the show that you were a contributing person to the Dr. Phil show at the same time. But this man's written a book that I love, and I want you to get. It's called Best Self. And this is Coach Mike Bear. So, Mike, thank you for being thank here, Thank you, Ed. Yeah. I'm ready to max out. You ready to max out? Good. <laughs> Good. Well, I want to be a better version of myself, and I know everybody listening to this does too. So, this book's so good. Thank you. Because there's um, actionable stuff on almost every single page. That's how I tried to write my book as well. So, I just want to acknowledge what a great job I think you did in this book. Why'd you write it, by the way? Well, I thank you for having me here. <laughs> sure. And uh, I, I wrote it because I wanted to create something that was affordable for someone who um, wanted to work with a life coach. And wanted to have practical ways that they can improve their life. And everything I kind of create uh, can meet a person where they're at. Mm. And I like to pull out their authenticity yeah. and start as that being the place we start in. Okay. Because everybody, you need to know something. The, uh, this man's work, we're not going to go through all the names, but for a, a long time, you've been working with some of the biggest names in the world in Hollywood, in the entertainment business, and, uh, and coached them. And so, for you to put this stuff in a book, I really feel like people are very fortunate to get the stuff you sort of reserve for this sort of, I don't know, elite group, theoretically, of people. I, I, and the reality yeah. is I like working with people who aren't part of the elite group a lot more. And that's Why? what I, because I feel like people in day-to-day -day life don't have teams. Mm. Not big teams, yeah. per se. And yeah. uh, when you're brought in to work with talent, you're brought in to work with the 20 people around them. True. And so it's really nice uh, to be able to just work with someone mm -hmm. where they don't have um, everyone being on payroll and everything being such a, mm -hmm. such a uh, challenging, I but know. it's rewarding, don't get me wrong. I mean, I no, love some... I know exactly what you mean. The irony of you and I is that we had not met because yeah. we know so many of the same people and we've yeah. kind of done similar things. Just mine more with mainly athletes and yours more with entertainers. But yeah. When I started to research you, because I want to give people hope, then I want to get into some stuff. Because everybody today, if you're driving, or maybe if you're watching this on YouTube, this is going to be write some notes down stuff. Because the one thing I really like about Mike is all the strategies and techniques that people can apply right. to become their better self or their best self. So, But when I was researching you, I was a little bit surprised. Because I, maybe I shouldn't have been, because I think through everybody's pain or adversity, everything happens mm. for us and not to us. But if we went back, you know, when you were in college and then right after college, your life right. was, you were not your best self. I, w I wasn't. So I, I grew up actually about five miles from here, from where we are right now. Yeah. So I grew up in Nellie Gale Ranch and mm -hmm. I went to modern day high school and I went yeah. to play basketball. And um, How and tall are you? Up, I'm 6'5". He's 6'5". This is a big dude. He yeah, my mom in, would like, say 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So big dude, big basketball dude. player, big dude. Orange County. Went with the homecoming queen mm. um, and uh, just felt empty, hmm. like the things outside of myself wasn't making me feel fulfilled. Yeah. And um, I eventually, uh, well I started partying and then I eventually got into crystal meth. Um, have you done it? I've never done crystal meth. Yeah, no. you're not missing out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're not, trust me. Right. I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, at first it's really great and you love cleaning your kitchen and you love except it doesn't actually get clean no no it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> and um and so you know you'd stay up for five days or a week or what have you and mm. then i just looked at myself in the mirror i guess probably the 40th time and was Seriously. just kind of like like i don't effing like you mm. looking back and i don't know who you are and i was 22 years old and mm. um i'd been through some outpatients and i called my parents and just said hey i want to go away you know, these sayings are easy to say. Everything happens for me, not to me. Yeah. But my dad's drinking when I was a kid. You and I have talked about that. My dad's been in recovery for 30 plus years. But one of the great gifts of my dad's drinking, ironically, was because I'd have to kind of discern which dad was walking through the front door every day. Right. I, you know, I had to assess him at four and five years old. Is this dad that's sober and kind of happy to be here? Or is it 
dad's been drinking for a while and he might be a little angry or tired or whatever. Right. I just, I, and it's ironic that one of the skills I use most in my life now is assessing people. Yeah, I bet you're and, really good with social cues and picking it up picking really it up. quickly because you had to figure out how to regulate yourself. And I would think when you grow up with something you're carrying where you feel different or other or whatever it is, whether right. it's your race, your sexual preference, your um, you maybe a lack of something, you don't have athleticism or you're not good at taking tests that these things actually create parts of your personality that serve you if you'll use them eventually in your life. Don't you right. think, don't you think had you not grown up and not had this drug and alcohol addiction that you had, or the meth addiction at least, that you probably wouldn't be so great at what you're doing now? No, I wouldn't be. You wouldn't no, be? No, 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 there's no way. Hmm. But that's what, that's for the people I've noticed that turn the corner in their life, and yeah. for anyone who's listening, it's how do you turn your darkness into inspiration? Hmm. So even now with like, when I wrote best self and I was going through different struggles because I'm human. Right. Anytime I had a struggle, I was like, oh, I got excited. Hmm. Because I was like, ooh, I get to write about it. <laughs> you know, like I, I get to figure out what's an exercise that can help someone shift out of that. And that's yes. kind of how I view like, whether it's universe work, God's work, whatever it is, it's kind of like whenever I experience something that's really yep. difficult, yep. I know that I can apply it to help someone else. It's a huge life hack, like secret. Like once you kind of start to accept, like I'm supposed to get something or others are supposed to get something from this pain. Yeah. This pain's supposed to produce something favorable for me or others or growth. Like if you can start to know that when it's happening. But I'm curious, cause I, and I, by the way, I just admire you so much for being able to share the vulnerabilities of your life. That's why I like you. That's why oh, I don't like watching people like, hey, I got it all together, I'm perfect. Let me tell you how to be perfect like right. me. I like what you just said, I'm human. Uh, for anyone, I mean, shame is, uh, it's, it's sh shame can ruin you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's whether you feel shame for, uh, you know, who, who you're sexually attracted to, whether it's shame for something that happened with a family member or, something that happened uh, with just if you were abused, sexually abused, neglect, depression, whatever, it, whatever shame, whether you're not smart enough, mm -hmm. um, being able to talk about it and communicate to people that are safe. You know, sometimes it's assumed that we only should talk to our mom and dad about it, but sometimes our parents aren't safe. Hmm. And so it's figuring out who is safe. Hmm. Is there and, a way to discern that? Um, well, I think, you know, so there's, a, there's something called the social atom, which is where you create a circle and then you look at all the relationships in your life and you can just create a circle and a straight line would be anyone that you feel safe with, that you can be vulnerable with, that mm. you feel like you could open up to. And then anything you kind of make with a squiggly line is someone where you get anxiety or it's a little bit yeah. complicated. Yeah. And so I think being able to figure out who those safe relationships are mm. to share it yeah. is the first step because shame is brutal. Mm. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that just, it destroys people. I think almost everybody uh, listening to this is carrying some sort of shame. I really do. Um, whether that's you know, something they feel like a relationship they're in where they didn't treat somebody appropriately or they let someone else down. And I completely agree with you. It's one of the things not discussed. We talk about pain. You know, we talk about wanting to improve our lives or anxiety. Shame is something rarely discussed that I know I carry some. Mm -hmm. You know, I carry shame uh that's a that's a button from that's a bucket i enjoy filling sometimes with right. myself if that makes any sense yeah. like most of us have these buckets that we're unconscious and one of the ones i like to do on me that hurts me that's kind of repetitive is i'll fill my shame bucket oh yeah you know what i mean whether it's a conversation i had with my daughter that didn't go the right way i'll shame myself about it rather than just acknowledge what it is and grow from it and i'm really 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 impressed that you that you're willing to share these things. I, I, I think your advice is so cogent, and I know that's why Phil probably has you on the show. I wanna ask you a question, because mm -hmm. I, I, I did one of your exercises. Okay. But I wanna walk the audience through yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Because this book, guys, um, you're gonna get it and you're gonna love it. And, and you're gonna love it because it's actionable. I love actionable stuff. So there's a best self sort of, what do you call it exactly, what we're gonna walk through right here? So, so best self is your authentic self. So okay. best self is your truth, your honest truth, like my best self is a wizard who is a thousand years old. He's actually tattooed on me, right? Look at so this like, on YouTube. If you're not watching this, guys, you're gonna have to go to YouTube <laughs> yeah, to see yeah, this. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's not done. This guy, Nico Hurtado, did the tattoo. He takes forever to get into. Beautiful, though. I've been freaking waiting forever. I mean, the guy's so hard to get into. It's beautiful. Thank you, thank yeah. you. It's not done yet. So he, you've he named have him. His staff. You've yeah. named yeah, this Merlin. Self. My best self is Merlin. It's a wizard that's a thousand years old. When I walk into a meeting or when I present myself, 
that is me being my best self. It's like wisdom, honesty, truth, alignment, living in the moment, okay. kindness, love. Um, and I think, you know, like our parents give us names, yes. right? And, um, but we can name ourselves whatever we want at our core and we can create, I find that being able to create uh, that character and that story, it creates a safe place for our minds to go sit into. Um, and so, and it's something that a kid can do or a teenager or an adult. I want, so that's, I, I so want, let's go through yours. I love it. So I, I want you to walk them through it as yes. if I hadn't prepped okay, it. Okay, so because, first. But I want to say yeah. everything, everybody, because yeah, this yeah. is so huge, everyone. I've been talking for 20 years about at any time in your life, you can turn the page and become a new character in your life. Right. That we repeat these old stories about ourselves and our book of our life starts to look like one chapter that just kind of runs together. What a boring book to read if it was just one chapter about the same character. There should be evolutions, right? And I'm always talking about change the character, change the character. And then I read your book and I'm like, this is an actual technique to name and change the character that is you right. and identify it. So guys, this is so awesome the way that you do this. So the so first step is to do what? The first step is to write out a description. Okay. So, uh, so, and how do we do that? You write out, uh, you can look at times in your life when you felt like, wow, this is life, yeah. or you know that's the best part of yourself. Okay. It's not outcome-driven. Yes. Uh, sometimes you get stuck on outcomes. Yes. And as you talk about, sometimes the outcomes happen 60 or 90 days down the road. They're delayed. Or two years down the road. Sure. So it can't just be, oh, that outcome. It's when you feel good about yourself. Is when it like, you know, so it's sort of like adjectives to describe the best you? You got it. Okay. Adjectives to describe the best you. What did okay. you write down? Well, I wrote a few down, but I did this alone. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been cool to do with my family, but I did it alone. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it was empowering when I'm my best, I'm these things. And it's like, I never, even me, and I, I, I coach people all the time, I never just take the time. What is the best adjectives to describe me when I'm the best me? Right. So I put peaceful, kind, patient, confident, prayerful. Mm. Strong, decisive, relentless, non-judgmental, mm. encouraging. I wrote leader. I wrote listener or listening. Focused, present mm. in the moment, and funny. Those were the best things I like about me when I'm the good me. Got it. And so then you took that description and I you did. felt pretty good about this. This feels like you're in alignment, right? I love when I'm that guy. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, at your core, that's you, that's right? Me. Yes. And so now, then you drew it. I right? drew it, and I—it's just—it's just what it is. You said yeah, it could yeah, be whatever yeah. it is. So he told me it could be whatever it is. It's kind of a Superman. Cool. And I—I'm, you know, I even have my family have told me that I'm like a Superman when I'm the best version of me. And I—you also wanted me to name it, name him, and it's Superman. That looks amazing. That's my guy, by the way, and that's as good as I can draw. So, so <laughs> I that's, love the face. So awesome. the real me is a Superman. Yeah. And he's all these things. And I, I would encourage every single person listening to this or watching this to do exactly this exercise. And this, we're not done yet either, everybody, but take an inventory. What are the adjectives that describe the best you? And then you want them to draw a picture you draw of it. it. You name it. Because, because it's, it's, it's a great way, too, to go, am I walking into the room as Superman? Am I talking to my kid as Superman? Mm. Am I handling my relationship as Superman? Or Merlin. Or Merlin, right? Um, and uh, so that's really understanding authentically who you are. And that's how we kind of start off Best Self, the book, okay. is figuring out who are you? Like, yeah. And let's name it. I love it. And so and that's our starting point of the compass. So okay. the next part of the exercise yes is to figure out what is currently pressing into ourselves, our own psyche, that we know is not authentically who we are. Mm -hmm. So it's that part of us that goes, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yes. Oh, I don't know why I feel this way. Oh, why am I beating myself up? What am I saying to myself? It's like the committee in the head that we can't shut off. Well, what is it saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we want to write down the adjectives of what we call your anti-self. And mm -hmm. so you did that, Ed. My anti-self is you know what was kind of cool? What? I noticed something. And maybe, do you find most people are have an easier time writing down the good or the bad? Bad. Or bad. I, I would assume that too. 
One thing I kind of liked is you loved it. I had a better time. I actually had an easier time writing down the good things. That's I great. thought that's shown the work I've done on myself. Yeah. Because I would assume it's 80, 20, 90, 10. People are like, I can name you 80 negative people, people normally don't have this long of a list, yeah. although I think this is incredibly healthy right. to have a long list as being your best. Yeah, list. and I, I, would, I think everybody writing this, the vast majority of you are probably going to have a really easy list of the negative things. And I think the more that you repeat, you utilize this exercise and the techniques that I teach and that Mike teaches, I bet you over the long term, you're gonna have an easier time writing the good ones. Yeah. And I think that's when you know you're being that best self more often. You got it. Um, Cause I live, I think I live, I'm definitely this guy a lot, but I think I live with that guy. More well, let's, that we love Superman. Okay. I mean, Superman Ed. Yeah, is, the, this guy here let's is- Let's hear about the descriptions of your anti-self. Judgmental. Okay. Impatient. Uh-huh. Scared. Mm angry, indecisive, anxious, gossiper, mm. distant, serious, complainer, self-centered. Mm. And I now that I'm naming them, I could name some more actually, but, but those are all uh, the anti-me. Yeah, yeah. And you drew the same exercise you drew. I drew him, and he's a guy with, and I don't mean to use bad language everybody, but he's a uh, guy with a big old head, and uh, a hat with two um, phallic symbols coming out of the side of them. Yeah, is that a penis coming out? It is. There's, out of his hat? There's two of them on each yeah, part yeah, of yeah. his hat. And his name is actually Richard Cabeza, which is dick, and in Spanish, Cabeza is head. So right, you can kind of right. get the name. But we gotcha. call him Richard Cabeza. Got you it. Like that? <laughs> Got it. No, this is great. So, so the we negative have, we we have Richard Superman. Cabeza. We have Superman and, and Richard we have Cabeza. Richard Cabeza. <laughs> okay, great. No, this and this is fantastic. And okay. so what we start off in in best self is we go, okay, who's your best self? Mm. And who do we know is gonna get in the way of you even finishing the book? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna get in and be like, ah, oh, this is this is a bunch of BS mm-hmm. and I don't have time for that and I'm good and you know, just, yes. th- so we help identify those parts so that Love we can it. navigate the book. And so um, th- what, what I find helpful once people do this is to figure out, okay, how do I get more of him? Yeah. And what situation currently is bringing out the most of him? Mm-hmm. So for you, Ed, what would you say currently Richard Cabeza, mm-hmm. when, what situation do you feel like currently where you go, oh, this comes out? Um, anything, anything that feels stressful to me, Richard Cabeza likes to rear his head, no pun intended, anything stressful. And I would say something specific, uh, with that would be, um, if I'm going to, if I'm prepping for or driving to something, I think I'm not prepared for, Mm. um, uh, that guy comes out, Uh, that guy is super judgmental. He likes to gossip. He can get pretty anxious and scared and fearful. He doesn't pray. Mm. He isn't present. I'm always project. That guy likes to project into the future all the time what he should be worrying about. Right. The, so he can't be in the moment. Not in the moment. Okay. That's the, if I, could, if I could identify one thing that causes most of those other adjectives to happen, it's pressure or stress, mm. and I'm not present. Got it. Yeah. And so, um, because when Superman comes flying through mm. in those situations, you feel... I feel incredible. I feel strong. I feel peaceful. Right. I feel like a leader. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do. Right. You know, what I was born to do. And I feel loving in that space. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word that should have been in there. Loving. Yeah. And so, so in, in best self, what we do is then what we, we take you through what's called the seven spheres, which Mm -hmm. is an acronym I created, which someone rates their social life. It's social life, personal health, education, relationships, employment, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And they line, you just rate it from a one to 10 and it's full of exercises and you go, okay, well, in all these areas of my life, how often do I feel like I'm being my best self? Mm. Because usually what happens for us is, is once we put down on paper and walk through it, we mm. can have a roadmap. Yes. And it doesn't become just theory. Yes. And so... Um, can I give you an example of that? Yeah. How powerful this is? Everybody's listening is like, that seems pretty basic. Everyone, Y'all trust me, do it. Yeah. Just go through the exercise. Uh, even Richard Cabeza now, I almost laugh at that guy now. It's why I gave him the name I gave him. He's hilarious to me, and, and, and I don't want him in my life. He's yeah. like a joke, yeah. right? And so in my case, I wanna, I, if I'm gonna have shame, I'm gonna shame that dude outside of me. I'm not gonna carry it myself. And so I gotta tell you though, last night, 
I did this last night. Yeah. And uh, I had fallen asleep. Uh. Perfect little example. And you stack these things over life. So you gave my family a gift last night unknowingly, right? Okay. And so what I did was I had fallen asleep and I actually posted it. My Lily was sleeping next to me. I was extremely tired. And I uh, every night go in and kiss my daughter goodnight and say a quick prayer. And last night I was laying in bed and I was tired and I knew the lights were off in her room. And I woke up tired and I went, <clears throat> I'll just do it tomorrow night, right? And immediately I thought about, what would Superman do? Huh? Superman would get up, he'd go in, even if she's asleep, and I'd kiss her and I'd pray with her even if she was asleep. Right. But I didn't want to get up, I was tired. And Richard Cabeza was uh, taking over. Yeah. And I literally thought about Superman and Richard Cabeza and I chose to be Superman. And I got up and I walked in and she was actually awake. Right. And I said, hey, boo, I love you. And Aww. I gave her a kiss and she gave me a hug and we said a quick prayer. And actually, she had something she wanted to ask me. Mm. And had I not gone in there, she wouldn't have been able to ask me that question. And so that, if, if this did nothing other than that one thing the rest of my life, it was yeah. worth it. But I can already tell, even today, prepping for our interview and getting yeah. no better, I'm like, I think I'm ready. And I'm like, well, what would Superman do? Superman would go another little extra inch here. Superman huh. would be more relentless, more prepared, right? More present. And so it's uh, affected even how we're doing this today. So yeah, thank and, you. and you, you're welcome. No, I'm, I'm grateful that you did this. Yeah. Uh, it means a lot because yeah. uh, you took it on your own initiative. I didn't ask you to, mm -hmm. and, and you, you clearly dig in when you have people come on your, your show. And I, you know, the, the thing about Richard Cabeza <laughs> is when you, the, the interesting thing with the ego that I've found is when you build out the character, if, I, if you say to someone, okay, just don't be so angry. Ed, you know, like, let's yeah. see your wife's like, Ed, don't be so angry. Yeah. If she calls you Richard Cabeza, yeah. you may have a split second of like, and then you'll start to laugh. It's awesome. And it's not that serious because you don't awesome. even want to feel that way. It's awesome. And you get to get called out on your stuff mm. in a way that's playful mm. and not... Um, what a great exercise to do even at work. Yes. Huh? Where your coworkers are like, hey, Richard Cabeza, cut it out. Yes. Right? Like, that's awesome. I yeah. love that. I love that. So you can do that in your family, your workplace, family, your teams. work life. Yeah, and you can do it with your kids, and it becomes revealing of how they view themselves. So yeah, so good, brother. Oh, thanks. So good. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I, dude, I, I got to be honest with you. Like, I love simple, actionable things that the audience can take with them and do. And guys, you'll be different after you do this, and your family will be different if you do it together. Yeah. What a great gift, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um. I got so many things I want to ask you about. So I want, to, I, I want them to get the book, so I don't want to do anything more that's in the book. But I okay. do want to ask you about one thing, just because it was important to me. Yeah. Um, and so, again, the last thing in the book, because everybody will want you to get the book, and I want you to get the audio version of the book, too. However, you talk about, I just want them to hear this, because everyone listening wants to change something about their life. And you have the five tenets of change in the yeah. book. And I'll name them, and then you give me a little bit of for it, if you could. Okay. Okay, curiosity is right. a tenet of change. Honesty openness, willingness, and focus is what right. you list. Just give us a little flavor behind yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, I love acronyms, so I call it Chow F. It sounds like a Chinese restaurant. Chow F, okay. But it's, okay. it's just the, okay, it's good. It's just it's the five components of change. Yep. Um, but I feel like those are the five components. You gotta get curious, you know, in mm. order to change anything in our lives, we have to become curious to some extent. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, I find curiosity feels good. Yeah. You know, when we're curious, there's this energy to it. We're not just going, ugh. You're right. Right? Doesn't and feel like research. I think the reason that uh, people kind of dig my show is I'm so hyper curious, curious about the people that are on the show. I mean, right. I love them and I'm curious about them. So completely agree with yeah. you. Yeah. And then honesty is mm. just a pillar of, mm. if you can't be honest with yourself, your compass is all over the place. Mm. And then openness to other ideas, other suggestions, other solutions, mm. willingness, what length are you willing to go to to make the change? You know, mm. it's just, um, you know, what, what are you willing to do? And then the focus, really just focusing on the change. And um, Very good. those are kind of what I call the five tenets of change. I and love it. And I, I, when I was reading the book, I put everything through sort of like my life experience meter. Like, do I believe this? Right. How important is curiosity? Right. You know, that was, was kind of unique. I thought, that, what, a, what a powerful, mind-opening word. Honesty was pretty obvious to me. Yeah. Openness, willingness, and I know about focus. I, think I know one, you do. I think one of the, uh, maybe you'll agree with me on this, and I think one of the lost 
arts in the world uh, are people's ability with all the distractions, with smartphones, with TV, mm. with how quick things happen in life, is to stay focused on something until the task is completed, until you've achieved. Uh, do you see that too with the people that you coach? They're, they're the Omega Achievers, I think one of their separators is their ability to focus. Yeah, I, th I think it's what, they, what people focus on, where they prioritize, hmm. where they put their energy. Hmm. Um, I even think like focusing on, uh, I've started at least with, you know, with social media, it's like what information do I want to put into my system? Yeah. You know, yep. anything that's going to give me anxiety that's not keeping me safe, mm. I don't know why I would follow it. Very good. Right? Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Why am I putting that in my system? It's like mm. bad food. Mm. So I mean, I, I think it, in terms of focus, it's just what do I want more of in my life and what do I want a little less of? What a great distinction. I'm doing that on TV, uh, politics. Uh, oh yeah. No matter what side you're on, and just for me, it's like I just realized watching this no matter what, I'm not, I don't get into my political beliefs on the show, and yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know that I'm that strong at any one place on that stuff. However, just watching the coverage and watching the people, it's like a live reality show all the time. And as I was watching, it's exactly what you said, I thought to myself, is this giving me joy? Right. Is this growing me? Is this giving me peace? Is yeah. it giving me the things that Superman would want? Right. It's contributing to Richard Cabeza. Yes. Richard Cabase is getting anxiety Richard, and stress. Richard, Richard Cabase is living in the news. Yes, isn't it true? Oh, yeah. And, you, and, and for many of you, your Richard Cabase is exactly what you said. It's the stuff that's giving you anxiety and stress and worry on your social media. Yeah. You're so, it's so good, brother. So good. You, um, you strike me as a guy because of, you know, overcoming. You make light of it, but you overcame a meth addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, everybody, he has so much humility, but this is a guy who now... There's one person in really 17 years who's Dr. Phil's trusted with that seat to help be on the show on a relatively regular basis. Yeah. The guy who that is was at one point at 22 years old calling his parents saying, I'm meth addicted, get me into rehab. Right. right. Like that's, that's incredible what you've turned yourself into. You've also founded these, is it CAST? CAST centers. CAST right. centers. So tell them a little bit about the CAST centers and what you do with that. Yeah. Just give everybody kind of the full rounded version of, yeah, of what I kinda, you do. Yeah, I kind of cover a totem pole in my career. So when I say totem pole at the bottom is like psychiatric disorders, chemical dependency, uh, need a lot of support and structure. So mm. I started a treatment center. I, the first groups I had in my apartment in Venice, because I didn't know how the heck I was gonna afford to have an office or anything. And, um, and it's expanded quite a bit. And now it's a uh, outpatient clinic with, uh, we treat straight depression or straight anxiety, dual diagnosis, which means you mm. know chemical dependency and alcoholism with uh, another diagnosis. Yeah, so we yep. have evening programs, day programs, um, and that's in West Hollywood. Okay. Um, and uh, now with insurance, it's great. They cover. Thank God. M most insurances cover yeah. treatment, which is awesome. Big um, topic that's come up a lot is um, mental health. Yeah. More and more on my show and in social media, people are asking me to discuss it more uh -huh. and cover it more. You know, I'm a believer that mental health is this huge spectrum. It's it such is. a broad topic. It can be everything from suffering from some, you know, anxiety. That's what I'm saying. To it's a totem. Up here, yeah. you have high achieving. Yeah. How do I go from five million to twenty million? Right. 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 Like, the, and you're right. It's all in the range. Yeah. The problem I feel like is everyone pulls them off instead of like you're saying. Just we all have mental health. Right. There's just different levels of. It. We all have financial health. Right. There's different levels of it. There's mm -hmm. physical health. Yeah, like, and one of the things about mental health that you and I were talking about off camera too is, is that you all should be working towards being healthier mentally, emotionally. Like, even if you think you're a really well-adjusted person, I feel like I'm a pretty well-adjusted person. I'm still reading and seeking mentors right. and relationships, associations, experiences that improve that part of my life. I'm, my physical body I'm trying to improve. I want to improve my emotional and mental uh, well-being as well. And no matter what level you're, I think some people think, well, the mental health stuff's like for people who are like, you know, manic depressive or, you know, schizophrenic right. or, you know, they're suicidal. That's a one part of the spectrum. There's all kinds of other Yeah, spectrums. me or you could have a, a, a more poor mental health day than somebody who's three days sober. What do you do for... <laughs> in theory. For, no, I haven't no. had one in a while, but... No, but, I, I have. Yeah. I agree with you. I think you're completely right. I have... One of the great things about people that are in recovery is the, what I would call almost forced self-awareness that right. begins to take place. The revelations in learning about oneself is 
one of the great gifts of recovery that yeah. sometimes people who don't need to go into recovery never get that gift of. It's just self-reflection, right? Do, can you share with us maybe some habits that you do daily or routines that <clears throat> contribute to your wellness mentally? Emotionally? Yeah, I mean, it's rituals. Yeah. I love ritual. I love a structure. So yeah. like, um, you know, I, I think for me, even before here, I go to, I went to your bathroom so I could look in, my, in the mirror and I go, just be yourself. Yep. I listen to music, but when I rolled down here, that made me feel like I could get uh, outside of myself so I could actually be a vehicle for stuff. So like there's the simple things like that. And then there's... Can you go back to that yeah. thing in the mirror? Because I've yeah. heard you talk about this before. I think yeah. it's powerful. Yeah. Can you talk about what you actually do when you do that? Yeah, it's changed a lot. Okay, um, okay. But I feel like so often in the mirror, we just look at our aesthetic. It's like, and uh, not to be dramatic, but it's kind of it. It's like when you really look into who you are as a man or a woman, um, what do you say to yourself or what does it say back to you? Hmm. And um, so I like to um, go to a mirror and I often will uh, drop to my knees uh, in a bathroom. Yeah. Um, Real quick in front of the mirror, like, you know, I try to make sure no one's watching me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then I pop up and I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll just be like, you know, you got this or be yourself or just, you know, be my own coach. Because mm. we're all human, we navigate life. And I say I dropped to my knees for humility, just to be like, I don't have all the answers, okay? Hop up, look at myself, say something. And mm. um, that's something I do before I go into do anything publicly or anything where I feel like there's pressure or anytime I feel like I may not be myself. Wow. You know? Yes, I do know. Because I, I want to be that. I want to be Superman. I want to yes. be Merlin. Like, I don't want to. I know for my own life, good comes when I am myself. And I hear you talk about that in yeah. your podcast um, and on your show. Um, and so, you know, the, look, there's the basics of gratitude lists, mm -hmm. you know, which they work. Yes, they do. And I always will call people to ask if I'm ever feeling completely obsessed with myself, um, which we all do. Yeah. Um, because you get what you put out, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're self-obsessed, it's hard to get out of it because we're just obsessed with ourselves. And so what I'll do is I'll consciously call people and purely ask them how they're doing and not tell them how I'm doing. <laughs> and I'll do that just to, to get out of myself. Bro. You know, and I feel like that's why I chose this profession too, is I get selfishly, I, I, I don't even know if I can cuss up. You can. Fucking love yeah. helping people because yeah. I, in return, feel this spiritual connection to life. You, you too, right? And so it feels good um, to to do that. So I mean, yep. um, I want to acknowledge a couple things because it's just ironic. The reason I wanted you to tell that story was I've not had anybody else ever share that. So I don't do it in a mirror. But before, every and at first it sounds like a George Michael moment, and it's not. No, I, okay. I actually, it made it someone who's never done <laughs> it before. A bad but, joke. But what it is is no, no. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. No, no, no. I, <laughs> And you can get away with saying that probably a little better than I can. Yeah. Having said that, though, I don't feel yeah. that way. I, I, um, I, before every show, every speech, every any significant encounter I have, I hit, I hit my knees as well, and say a prayer. And it's it's um, I ask you know for God to you know support me in that meeting and be the, my best self. Yeah. Actually, I don't know that I use that exact word, but that's the thought. And um, at every night when I pray, people ask me, you know, how do you physically pray? I pray on my knees, and it's just a reason that it uh, it's, uh, humbles me. It gives yeah. me a version of humility. So I grounding, grounding, I, I literal grounding, right? right? And so I just want to second that because there's so many things we're covering. People, go, yeah, that's a big deal for me. Yeah. The other thing that you do about calling people, we do it a little bit differently, but calling people and checking in on how they're doing. I do that, but um, what I love to do, everyone, I'll give you a, you may think this is weird, but when I'm in a public place, mm. I will find people regularly, uh, about every time I'm out in public. I'm at a gym, I'm at a restaurant, I'm at a grocery store. I just randomly pray for somebody. Huh. Just peace be with you or God bless them. And I just yeah. pray, I get out of myself and pray for the, the person for some reason that gives me comfort, gives me strength, gives me humility and um, I don't know why there's this as part of me that I just feel better when I'm helping someone somehow. Oh yeah. So that's my version. Oh of it. man, if if, yeah. if sometimes uh, 
I'll go with friends. Mm. I'll be like, let's just give compliments. I mean, it sounds yeah, so I, funny. Yeah. You know, I've turned 40 next month, but yeah. I, I, I love stuff like this. You go to a grocery store and you literally are just dishing out compliments. Yeah. And we'll make a little competition where we're laughing. Yeah. But people love it. Yes. People love anonymous compliments. I'm and the, it feels so good to give. <laughs> and so a, it's fun. I have an audio on that where I talk really? about if you want to change your state, start complimenting other people. Start, yeah. First, it forces you to become a habitual observer of people's blessings and giftedness. And then it feels so good to give them that gift. And it's something that you may be the only person that year who mm. will give them a sincere compliment about something. Right. You could complain completely. You give, what a great looking tie, you know? Yeah. The guy ends up going home and I feel better about himself and he's nicer to his children that night. Right. Like it's just the ripple effects of these things. These are these are life hacks that, that matter. So thank you for, and, for that. And I think that's why it's, for guys like us, it's not that fun to watch the news or watch politics because mm. you don't see people lighting up other people's candles or their lights. You just see them blow it out. And so I think you have to create that environment like you're talking about where mm. you're constantly in that flow. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So good. Okay, we're, we're flying through this, yes. unfortunately, because I'm loving this. Um, but I want to ask you, so everyone wants to change something in their life. Uh -huh. It's a baseline question. Someone listening to this say, gosh, I got these two guys there today. Ed, you better ask them this. What advice would you give somebody who just wants to create a change? It could be anything from, I've got an addiction and I want to fix that in me. Or mm -hmm. I, uh, I've got a job and I'd love to start my own business. I'd, I weigh 50 more pounds than I want to. I want to transform something about myself. Can you give us some thoughts or actionable yeah. steps? I think, well, I think, two things, uh, which you know better than I do about setting a goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you don't have a goal, you know, they can't really achieve anything. So mm -hmm. setting a goal, an intention and a goal of what you want, mm -hmm. what is it and by when and mm -hmm. having it be measurable yeah. and practical. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, so one is a goal, and then the other that I think, well, a few other things, I, I think having accountability, figuring out who can help keep you accountable, mm -hmm. if there's anyone in your life, is it possible, even mm -hmm. if it's mom or dad, just checking out, hey mom, I want you to call me twice a week yeah. and ask me, are you making that 6 a.m. You know, uh, class, or yeah. are you, you know, whatever it is. And then the other that I've found more recently, and I've gained so much benefit of it from Dr. Phil is, um, is how coachable are you with your change? Mm. A lot of people don't know what the, the answer is, mm. I've found, but their own ego gets in the way of being coachable. Mm. And a lot of people actually aren't coachable who think they're coachable. Agree with you. Right? Yes. And so like to me in terms of change, it's so you're not, you, you're gonna do it alone if you're not coachable. Like, it's really <laughs> that's good. the truth. It's really true. Because no one wants to, if someone has figured it out and they're trying to mentor or lean in or give, and I've also, so many people I find um, want to give solutions because it feels good to help. Yeah, I agree with you. And so it's just keeping that in mind when you ask most people, no matter how successful they are, um, they'll give you advice. You I, know? I agree with that. Speaking of successful people, a couple more things. Yeah. Do you, because you work with the most, some of the most successful people in the world. I bet you most people would be curious. Are they happier than a person who's not quite as successful? Well, hmm. happy. Well, it depends who it is. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but by so, and large, did this success, uh -huh. this achievement, give them? If we're being really honest, did it give them more joy, happiness? Well, uh, I mean, you could ask yourself. Like, mm -hmm. you've had a lot of success at mm -hmm. different times. Do you feel like that? I love how you do that. By created way. more. I love. That's why you're a good coach. Um, no, I mean, it's real though, because yeah, I mean, you're I think a product that, of... Yeah, I think, um, I'm always asking people that question that are sort of in this space too. I think that, um, well, I don't think material things long term give you lasting happiness, no. Right. Um, I don't. Uh, however, it's a lie to say that material things don't bring you some happiness. You right. get a nice pair of shoes or a new car, you feel happy temporarily, yeah, but it wears off, right? Thank you. Um, but you... You, you're, what you're really looking for long-term is fulfillment. Yeah. And those are two different things. And I think fulfillment is typically, comes through a couple different sources. One is always in the service of other people. 
And I think it's identifying what your passions and giftedness and blessings are and using them in your life in the service of other people. Like if yeah. you can start to figure out, you know, I'm kind of good at this or I enjoy that or I'm passionate about this. You identify those gifts and blessings and then you utilize those things in the contribution to other people. That's how yeah. you become fulfilled in my mind. That's why, so I have friends that are school teachers yeah. that don't have a jet and don't live oceanfront. They're incredibly fulfilled people. Yeah. Because they don't, their model of life isn't that they need to be looking at the ocean. I have other friends like, you no, know, that sense of achievement and growing and, and pushing past barriers and achieving all these goals, that's what gives me fulfillment. So I think everyone's blueprint's a little bit different on it. But I'm curious of the people that you've coached, do you? I think, you know what, I, I think it would be what, how, uh, well, it depends if they have, I've worked with a lot of people with, uh, you know, pretty chronic depression yes. and those people struggle differently than someone that doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. But by and large, I feel like it matters. What matters is how connected to a community and safe relationships and friendships and love that the mm. person has mm. um, is an indicator. I think sometimes people struggle quite a bit when they're super famous because mm -hmm. Um, the story they tell themselves is they can't trust people or yes, which there are some realities to it But mm -hmm. I think it's about how safe somebody feels in their connection of love. Yes The reason I believe that the reason I asked you was My observation is the more and more someone's uh, achieves a celebrity status the m more and more it's important to have somebody in your life constantly having them come back to learning about themselves, that they lose themselves in the pursuit of celebrity, yeah. and they almost become this person they think everybody wants them to be. And I don't know that that's just for people that become famous, yeah. but it's my observation of the people that I've worked with closely that have become very well known, is they, they're, they're, there's a propensity to possibly lose sense of self. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and what's, you know, you can't, there's something about it, you know, hanging out with friends, playing a game, and you know, just connecting with other humans and feeling mm. love, mm. uh, when that starts to get stripped away and becomes isolating, I think. I think you're right. For anyone, it becomes. Mm. Or if, or when you're connected with people, you know, no one's better or worse than anyone. But if you're in an environment where you hold power, perception that you're better, mm -hmm. I think that can also be really isolating. So, so, so do I. Um, but. I don't know if there's a difference. Okay, I don't think I don't think there is. Uh, but I I have I think the sense of self needs to be protected. I, the reason I'm saying this to everybody is forget celebrity. As you're achieving things, as you're yeah. moving up the ladder towards your goals, make sure that you're constantly giving yourself gratitude, giving yourself rituals and habits that connect you back to yourself. Whether that is hitting your knees on a regular basis, or a gratitude exercise, or right. praying for somebody, or calling other people and always make sure that you're connecting with yourself that you don't lose yourself in the pursuit of stuff correct is is, is the point the reason i asked the yeah, question yeah yeah i think we sometimes get lost about what's actually going to make us happy i agree with that all right so i got a random question and yeah. then we'll finish up because yeah. it's it's got to do with sobriety uh-huh um i want to know how you because you started doing a lot of these and i'd like your honest answer about uh -huh. it because a lot of people listen to this or they have someone in their family with addiction uh-huh right they do and it's probably alcohol or drugs it's 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 uh it's prevalent and you used to be involved in interventions right. a great deal. I a wanna lot. know, I know, you've done a lot of them, and yeah. so you're an expert at this. I have a philosophy about them uh -huh. that I think I've developed over time because I've been involved in some myself. Right. How do you feel about interventions in general as a strategy to help somebody pursue sobriety or a change in their life? Is it effective or ineffective? Well, hmm. uh, I mean, there's a lot of people I've intervened on who I never thought would be sober, mm. uh, who are sober today, okay. and who are living. Like I just received a text a few days ago. This guy's a big professor now at a university. This over ten years ago. Wonderful. Um, so it, they do work. I think. I mean, every, life's a it's a loose garment. Every, there's a fit for everyone, and mm. I think it's about what's the fit. Sometimes surprise interventions work. Sometimes they don't. Mm. Sometimes a kid needs to be taken in the middle of the night. Sometimes he doesn't. Mm. Sometimes someone needs to stand up to dad. And sometimes uh, mom just needs to leave. So like interventions, um, I, think, I think they're, they're very successful with getting people to treatment. Mm -hmm. um, but like anyone who goes to treatment, the biggest 
step is what what happens when they leave treatment. When they get there. So specifically about it, yeah. my concern in the ones I've been involved with uh-huh. have been uh, the ones that I've seen be effect, more effective, nothing yeah. is 100% in sobriety, as we both know, not even close. Right. Having said that, was the um, sobriety level of the person during the intervention. Meaning if they were high or loaded oh. during the intervention, they may have gotten to the treatment center, yeah. but this was not really a decision they had probably made of sound mind. I know this seem, may seem like I'm going down no, a little bit. No, I, I, no, no, I understand y- what yet you're when saying. I've, when, when I have seen interventions work more effectively, is finding that drunk or alcohol or, or a drug or alcohol addicted person, but somehow finding that intervention during a time of sobriety where they're sober to receive the message, to receive it, or do you not believe there's any distinction between those two things? And answer honestly. Well, I, I think it's sometimes really hard to get someone who's, I agree. who's <laughs> sober. I agree, yes. Um, especially if you're doing it, you know, a lot of them I've done, we do first thing in the morning before they start drinking for the day or well, using. Well, I think that's a valid point. Yeah. They're, yeah, we're more likely to get, to get somebody sober earlier in the day, yeah. theoretically, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 it's interesting. It's just, it's so weird how life works. I've intervened mm-hmm. on so many people that I literally, like I had one guy who I intervened on, he was homeless and mm-hmm. uh, doing some pretty, uh, uh, colorful things on the mm-hmm. street and um, I intervened and I said to him when I took him to treatment if you get sober uh, if you get a year sober I'll give you a job mm-hmm. I was like this guy's never gonna stay sober mm-hmm. sure lo and behold a year later I get the phone call wonderful so it's like I've had so many of those yeah um, the thing about interventions that's a bummer is um, is they, they're just so chaotic mm-hmm. they're just so dramatic yeah. and uh, they're like the last you know, step, yeah. the last house on the block. And yeah. um, it's really sad to mm-hmm. see what mm-hmm. happens to the family members. I mean, I always look at like, what does the family need to do? Yeah. Because at least the, the addict or alcoholic gets to numb out. Mm-hmm. Family's not, they're dealing mm-hmm. with their pain and their emotions and they're covering up. And mm-hmm. so I usually lean into the families and then secondarily is like, okay, well, they're gonna change. Do you wanna, yeah. do you wanna change? I think that I want everybody to hear today because we talked about shame. Mm. I think that there's a lot of people listening to this that have that some sort of an addiction right now they're shamed by. And I just want you to know as the child of somebody who got sober, my dad finally got sober. I get emotional when I say this, but I'm so proud of him. Mm. My dad's addiction actually gave him an opportunity to become my hero in the real world. Mm. And so my dad, if you are listening to this and you have some type of an addiction, gambling, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be, I'm going to tell you something. When you do turn this around, and if you do turn this around, your family is going to be immensely grateful and incredibly proud of you. I can tell you 30 years later, my dad's children, his grandchildren, our existence as a family has been completely altered by my dad's decision to and follow up in his program to stay sober over the years. It's altered all these lives. Yeah. It's altered my life. I'd like to think I'm altering other people's lives and affecting you them are. now. And you can draw that back to my dad's courage that he went and made the decision finally to get sober. And so those of you that are struggling with something, the effects of you getting this right and getting clean or getting sober are so profound long term. It's going to be an incredible, it'll probably be your greatest legacy to your family. And, and sober, I, like we found, we find, and you're absolutely right, mm-hmm. I just what, what you got ticking in my brain was there's so many people we now see addicted to pot. Okay. So many. So many. Mike and I were just talking about this before you and, got here. And it's a conversation mm-hmm. that like, I, I don't care. I have friends who smoke weed. Mm-hmm. I have friends who don't smoke weed. I'm mm-hmm. sober, I don't smoke weed. Mm-hmm. But like, I've been sober over 17 years. So That's wonderful, congratulations. But we see a lot more, uh, primarily men, okay. 20s and 30s, who uh, pot is ruining their life. Mm-hmm. And there's, they're in this cycle where somehow they're believing it couldn't be. Yeah. And um, it's been real, we've seen a lot of people having such a hard time getting off weed. This has been such a blessed conversation. Right before you got here, Mike, who's shot every one of my programs, uh, doesn't smoke weed anymore, but used to. Um, And we were talking about the, I said to him, I said, there's more and more people becoming addicted to pot. Oh yeah. And, And he said to me, he goes, you know, I was just driving over here, there's a billboard on the freeway 
that there's all these pot billboards everywhere. It's the normalization of it. But however, he's like, and this one was to solicit to have it delivered to your front door so you don't even need to leave. Yeah. And he said, imagine if it was alcohol. There wouldn't be a billboard that said, I'll deliver alcohol to your front door, even though you could do it. It's a direct solicitation. And I worry about this generation that's going to grow up in the normalization almost of pot. There are people, obviously, that you and I both know smoke weed once in a while and oh, it's yeah. not affect their life, but it's important that people hear this. This is something to be mindful of and be judicious yeah, about. Yeah, and it's important to know that pot can ruin your life because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize mm -hmm. They'll be like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll start off just smoking at night, then they'll mm. smoke in the morning, then they'll start mm. smoking all day, and they'll start, start eating edibles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just it just keeps going, and it's okay to, to need to stop for a while. It doesn't, yep. everyone's different. But I think a lot of people, I, we're finding a lot of people over the last year are getting wrecked by pot. Mm. And because it's not killing people, mm. meaning like mm -hmm. how fentanyl is or mm -hmm. opiates or even, alcohol mm -hmm. it it doesn't get that same attention mm. and because it's so heavily promoted right now and mm. i'm not someone who's saying pot's so bad i just see so many people now mm -hmm. who um it's affecting their relationships mm -hmm. they're feeling foggy angry lonely mm -hmm. dysregulated mm -hmm. um and just if someone's listening it's okay if you want to ask for help and get out of that because it's there's a solution, you know. I'm so. so glad you just brought that up. I didn't know we were going to bring that up at the end of the interview, and it might be the most important thing that we brought up here because I'm seeing it too. I had a very good friend. We were driving him this last week or so in the car, and he was telling me that it's to the point now where um, for him to eat breakfast, mm. for actually to eat when he gets up, he has to smoke pot now just to function to be able to eat in yeah. the morning and so it's wrecking his life and so it's just something to be mindful of everybody that in your family and in yourself if that's in your life so thank you for that yeah today's been so good They're yeah like so, fun. So thanks good. for having me out here so let's make sure they know where to find you because yes. i know they're intrigued now if they didn't know you first off you'll see him on dr phil pretty regularly but let's where can we find you on uh social it's, media yeah online? so it's coach mike bear okay everything's coach mike bear Coach like Mike Bear. We'll put it up on the YouTube screen right now that everybody cool. can see it too. And then also your book is there's an audible version, an audio version of the book too, yep. right? Okay. You can listen to it while you're driving right. and you'll have me talking to you and coaching you and uh, it, we'll do some work. Yeah, and you got one of those voices too that's you know, pleasant to listen to. So oh, I, I really uh, enjoyed today. Like me I enjoyed too. it. I learned. I got things out of today. And um, I know my audience did too, and I'd like them to come follow you. So thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, Ed. Thanks so much, brother. All right, buddy. Everybody, I know you enjoyed today's program. Just a quick reminder, on social media every day, I run the Max Out 2-Minute Drill. What that means is I want to connect with you. I want to interact with you. By the way, would you do a 10-minute call with one guest on my show? 10-minute yeah. coach call. Would you do that? Yeah. Thank why not? you. Okay, thank you. Oh, the universe yes. decides. Okay, so <laughs> the universe decides who it is. So what I do, guys, on my social media every day when I post on Instagram, I post between 7.30 and 8 a.m. Pacific time every day. And so what I post every single day, there's three ways to win. One, just make a comment in the first two minutes. Just make a comment. So have your notifications turned on. Two, if you miss that, um, make a comment at any time, but make a comment every single day. At the end of the week, we add up people who just commented on every post every day. So we add up that group too. And then if you make comments to people's comments, so you're engaging with people, we pick winners there as well. Get right on my jet, coaching calls, gear, coaching calls with um, some of my guests, Mike's going to do one, and uh, my book, all kinds of cool stuff that we reward every single week. We pick winners every single day. So make a comment, comment on people's comments, comment every day. All right, everybody, God bless you and max out your life. This is the Ed Meyer.